Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast, your first August edition. I don't know what the hell happened, but we're under a month to kick off of Kansas State football. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody right here in the GPC studios with two kind of smelly and needy dogs. And that doesn't include Gilbert, who's not here. Who's both of those things? He's smelly and needy. And he's a dog. Oh, he's a total dog. We're sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. They're not a dog. They're like, uh, uh, I don't even know, but they're awesome. What kind of animal could they be? A lion. Ooh. You telling the truth? The kings of the liquor business. I like it. I was afraid you were lying. (laughs) Get into the fridge whenever you get into Manhattan. That time is coming. You folks, all of you nice folks, even the ones from out west that have to drive through more construction to get to Manhattan for football season, but that's a whole different story. You need to stop in the fridge. When it comes to tailgating, leave your liquor at home. That's your home liquor. That's that's cherished. I mean, it's like a family heirloom. Leave it at home. Pick up your tailgate liquor at the fridge. It's right on your way to the stadium. If you want to go, I would. Stop in the fridge at the corner of Claflin and West Port. Got it. Five, six, seven, eight years. I'm finally getting it. Ah. I don't even know what we're going to talk about. Is anything going on? I mean, I don't know. Well, all I know is... Are we still in a conference at Kansas State? What's going on? Would you Would you agree with me that August means two things in this part of the country? Well, three things. It really means bad baseball with the Royals. Oh, this is great baseball. Four in a row right now as we're recording this, by we're the way. Cooking. Great baseball. Um, they aren't eliminated There yet. was Nicky Lopez holding them back. <laughs> bad baseball. Chiefs training camp. Oh, yeah. And K-State football fall camp. And uh, boob sweat. That too. God, that's just for me, though. That's the first team. <clears throat> just, yeah, a lot of sweat. Mm-hmm. Let's do this, guys. I'm going on vacation next week. We didn't even think about that. we got to record. we got to record another one, don't we? Oh, Before crap. We oh, crap. we got to figure that out. Mm. But after we record this, we'll be recording the overtime, and that will be the last one before football. 
I got to record a life of fits for while I'm on vacation. I got to do some videos to get them stockpiled. Work, work, work. So let's quit messing around. You stop whatever you're doing and think about the fridge and listen to the questions from Wild Bass Station. Because here's Cole Carmody. From I Like Pickles Cat. Who of the wide receivers are most likely to have a breakout breakout season? And this says excluding Phillip Brooks and Keegan Johnson. Well, that crap. That's my answers. <laughs> I don't think you can exclude Keegan. I mean, yeah. I, 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 look, he came out of the Iowa system where, you know, they're barely throwing the ball if, at all. I, I think he's interesting. And I think they're going to use Brooks in you know, some different situations. Try to make up for some of the things they lose from Deuce Vaughn in open space and use Phillip for that. I don't know. But I, I guess I'm I'm hoping it's R.J. Garcia. I, I hope to see what we've heard so much promise of, and I hope he takes the next step and becomes a reliable receiver for this football program. Yeah, I mean, I think it really comes down to what do you mean by breakout, right? I mean, Keegan Johnson had two receptions for 11 yards last season. He was hurt. I get that. But there's going to be people that don't watch K-State that just follow their team in the Big 12, and they look at, oh, who is this guy that's got five receptions for 70 yards and a touchdown on us? And then they go looking like, oh, this guy only had two receptions a year before. You know, right? They don't understand that. But I think technically that would qualify as a breakout season. But we're expecting it. It's not a breakout. No, or a breakthrough sure. season if we expect it to happen. And I think it's it's fair to exclude Philip Brooks. Is it Phillip unwarranted, Brooks. though? I think it's fair to exclude Philip Brooks because he's a veteran guy. Yes. Like, yeah, that. of course you can't pick him. I think Hegan Johnson coming from, of all places, yes, it was Iowa. But you look at some of the numbers and you compare it to Iowa, you know, he was a good receiver at Iowa when he was healthy. So then it, you know, it leaves RJ Garcia, which I think that's who it's going to be. If you had to pick from these, I think really he's asking what is the number three wide what is the number three wide receiver going to be? Because I think that the expectation is both of those will be one and two, but I think it'll be RJ Garcia. I hope it's Sterling Lockett. You know, that's a name that he's been around for a couple of years now. He hasn't necessarily, you know, done much. I hope that it's him, but I think R.J. Garcia is probably going to be in the mix a lot more than what he was last year. Jaden Jackson, Ole Miss transfer from last year. That'd be good. Um, now, granted, this is where you have to say asterisks here, okay? Um, he has two years of eligibility left. That much is true. But he's only played – he's already played four seasons. So this is a guy who has um, hardly any career receptions. Let's see, as I'm doing quick math, 17 career receptions in four years. Um, three at Ole Miss, one at – or three years at Ole Miss, obviously last year at Kansas State. I believe he redshirted. I believe he played in the le um, less than four games he needed to redshirt. He still has his 2020 season as well. He's coming off of an injury, but that was somebody who I know fans were really high on and the program was really high on last season, but I don't think it ever really developed. And quite honestly, that was a guy I think some people looked at in the offseason when all these receivers were coming in and, and Phillip Brooks decided to return as maybe somebody who – might pursue an opportunity elsewhere, um, but he's, he stayed. And so to me, that says he might be higher up on the depth chart than we likely think. So that is a guy that I am keeping my eye on on this offense to see if he can develop some kind of relationship with Will Howard. Yeah, I would agree with all that. 
Very good. Next question comes from Big Sam. What position battle in KSU's fall camp has your greatest focus and why? Hmm. I want to see who steps up at corner. I mean, we, you know, Parrish is probably going to be one of them, and who's going to be that other one? They've got some guys with experience, you know, that have played a little bit, but I want I want to see that because that is crucial. I mean, I think Jacob Parrish can take Echo Boydo's spot, but you know, that other spot is a little worrisome. But we'll see how it goes. It, there, you know, as we mentioned in our Twitter space chat the other night, if you missed it, I apologize. We're not going to put it up as a podcast because it's – I mean, the, quality, the sound quality is not very good. And it's spur of the moment. It's spur of the moment I mean, casual. It, it yeah. is what it is. It is. It, it's, it was an ad. It, it was an ad for the sale, uh, which, by the way, we're having 75% yes. off. I think this is the last day of it. In fact, as you hear this on Thursday, is the last day of that 75% off sale. So make but sure if you're, you're listening over the weekend, there's still a sale. There, there'll be another it's sale. Not as good, but still be, very good. still pretty good. It's still better than average, right? Right. right. Okay. Better than 30%. No, I don't remember what I was saying. Sorry. That's right. It was a great thought, but then I got into this. There's a lot of cornerbacks on this They're roster right. that can play. Like, I'm just, you know, I didn't really think about it. You go to K-State's official roster and you sort by position and you go through some of these names and you're like, is there really like three corners that are better than anybody else? But, Zach, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, I have full confidence in what Van Malone can do to develop these right. guys to where I don't think having everybody be about the same is a bad thing. No, I don't think it's I don't think it's bad. I think it's, you know, it shows that there's depth. I think there's still question marks there. I mentioned that on the Twitter space, too. But I think there's a lot of questions in the secondary. But I think the personnel, you know, and this probably is the answer to the question is, yeah, you're focused on who the guys are going to be, but you're not necessarily concerned about the quality of what the guys are going to bring. I think that the sense is that, that everyone feels pretty good about the secondary, but my, my answer to this question goes back to the first question. I think it is wide receiver. Just who is going to emerge, you know, after Philip Brooks, because I think you can include Keen Johnson into this, you know, sure. We think that he's going to be, you know, top two receiver, but you know, if he, he does need to have that breakout year, but like you mentioned earlier, Jaden Jackson, you know, RJ Garcia, Sterling Lockett. It'll be interesting to see who emerges as, you know, the third, the fourth, the fifth guy, you know, that might be getting catches throughout the season. What about safety? Any worries yeah. there? Yeah. No, I've got them. <clears throat> they certainly need someone else to step up and be part of it. We have a dog currently dreaming here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's nothing better what, than a dreaming dog. What is she dreaming about? She's chasing something. She's probably hunting down wild Zach Carlson's. Anyhow, yeah, that whole defensive, the back end of that defense, needs some questions answered, and that'll be a big part of camp. Mm -hmm. Next question comes from 3G Wildcat. Along those same lines, which group needs the most improvement in fall practices, and which group is in the best position going into the fall? Man, I think running back's in the best position. Isn't that crazy? I, like I'm actually, and there's, and there's still question marks there of how you know how it's going to look, but from a personnel standpoint, your two main guys. Are we excluding the offensive line for this question? Because I think if truthfully everybody were to answer, right, the answer would be line. yeah, right. They are the best position in the best group. position. Yeah, yeah, like probably not even close. But as far as needs the most improvement, I don't know. Special teams. 
Oh, That's a kicker. great point. Yes. Ty Zender leaving, leaves you openings, both kicking and punting. Malik Knowles was your return person for years, which, you know, I think they'll find other people to do that. I'm not worried about return game. They've always got guys that can do it. It's part of the culture, but boy, they need to get settled in at punting and kicking. You, you just look at when Kansas State had questions there, they weren't nearly as good. When Ty Zittner came in and calmed it all down, they became Big 12 champion. I've never seen a kicker have that kind of impact, a switch at a position like that. But he settled it all down. Who do you think the returns same time, kicks? Sorry. Sorry, Zach, no. go ahead. I was just going to ask Fitz a question. But. Yeah, what I was, was going to build on Ty Zinner, yeah. he was kind of like a Band-Aid for K-State because right. you had him doing kickoffs and then you had him punting. You know, they were trying to give him, you know, Ty, what are you the best at? We get that you can do everything. What are you the best at? Let's use you there and use someone else for the other stuff. But he was so good at everything all around that you couldn't keep him off the field. You had to play him. And I think that probably hurt the development of, you know, a little bit of, you know, the people behind. Is Jack Bloomer still on the team? Yes. yes. Okay. So at least you have an experienced punter. Right. He will be the punter. Yeah. You know, you've got a punter that, that was fine. You know, Ty Zentner was obviously better and won the job, but at least you have somebody that has done it in an actual live football game. But every, every time I hear his name, I'm like, that's the best pirate name I've ever heard. Every time I hear his name, I feel like he's been here since Bill Snyder was That's on true. The, the coach. I believe he's my age. I am Jack <laughs> Bloomer. Um, yeah, I, I just think they've got to get that all settled down, and that'll be something I ask Coach Kleiman about when I finally get a chance, although I'll be gone for his press conference. Fitz. He's going to miss you. I know. I was going to ask you this question. Who do you think is going to return kicks? Because I got asked this question when I was doing um, a media spot for the student radio station. And, and I, th I think there's multiple answers, and I'm curious what you guys think. But I think you can tell a lot about what the staff thinks about the specialists based off of who they put back there for away games, like when they travel. Okay, So Sterling Lockett did a lot of those kicks and punts during early work but at Baylor, at um, I think it was KU, he or not at KU, at – another road game in the big 12 when they send the early guys out to catch punch to catch, to catch mm -hmm. kicks. I have a sense a guy like Jacob Parrish might be someone they put back there as a kick returner this year, as someone who did it in high school and really someone who's one of the faster guys on the team um, this year. I think that could be a guy who they could put back there and who could have immediate success as a kick returner. But it's going to be interesting who they put back there. When I'm was, really curious. When was the last time K-State was using a defensive back? DJ Reed? Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I think that's the answer. And there's DJ an Reed, advantage but, to that. Then mm -hmm. you don't lose them for snaps yeah. on the offensive side once the offense comes to the field. Uh, I will be very interested to see where they go with that. Uh, they I throw think, the door open. I think there's some great athletes who could be good at it. I think it's Phillip Brooks for punts, yes. 100%. And I think he's probably the, you know, the other option for kickoffs. I think there's one spot. Obviously, there's one spot available. I don't. I really don't know. I just think for kickoffs, you have to be more of an explosive athlete. For punch, you got to be more of a read your blocks and almost like kind of like a running back, right? Yeah. Like for kicks, you have to explode through the hole. For punts, it's you got to see how your blocks are shaping up, and if you can get to the outside, you get to the outside. But I mean, that was something, guys, that like they were so good about with Malik. That will be a noticeable difference if they cannot find ways to flip the field on special teams this year. It, it's a concern. I, I want to see what happens, obviously, but that is definitely something that um, I think everybody's circling. Yeah. I, 
I mean, it's always been a point of pride of this university, and they've always had someone that steps up. I mean, we've gone through so many epic returners, David Allen and Terrence Newman and and the entire Lockett family, it seems like. But, you know, now there's there's an opportunity for someone to step into a great tradition. Mm-hmm. Last question of the first half of the podcast comes from TDE67. Would you classify the anticipation for the upcoming football and basketball seasons as increased, decreased, or the same as last season? Oh, I think it's increased because of basketball. I mean, and plus football winning the Big 12. You know, if people are talking about back-to-back championships, that's an increase in anticipation. When we're looking at basketball ticket sales, they might be sold out by now. Right. How how easily available is a ticket or a pair of tickets versus this year versus last year? They're not. It is much <laughs> harder to get a ticket that isn't a scattered single this year than it was last year. So I think you yeah. can definitely say it's increased, but, you know, I mean, we, the issue with us though, we work in an, in a place where our customers are the best of the best, most engaged right. fans in a fan base. So for us, you know, it feels the same almost, you know, when we've got, you know, everybody's on the boards ready for football, you know, we're surrounded by K-State fans that, that are engaged with the product and the program. So you know, it's a little tough for us to, you know, not use, you know, to not use an external metric, I guess is what I'm saying of, you know, using the ticket sales. I will say from an external metric, I'm going to go there and use an external yeah. metric. I mean, we have to. Right. Um, whenever I go out and interact with people in Kansas City over the summertime, rather be through baseball, you know, family, other types of stuff. Picking up chicks. Yeah. Okay. Um, there is more interest in K-State football. That I have ever seen. I mean, not just since working here, but like my entire life of just random people coming up to me. And, and maybe it's because they know what I do, right? Like that's part of the job. But yeah. hey, like what do you think about K-State this year? Like I have Nebraska fans asking me that. I have KU fans asking me that. You know, people from who are fans of all these other schools, they're curious what K-State can do and if they can replicate the success they had. And for basketball, I think they're interested in what Tang has done more than maybe what the program is. Um People are noticing, and if we were based in Kansas City, I think we would see it more of just maybe non-K-State fans seeing what's going on in Manhattan. But people are noticing, and they might not talk about it in the Kansas City Kansas City media market. It's just not what sells, right? I think we all can understand that. But there is a lot of anticipation and a lot of excitement about K-State athletics in Kansas City in particular. I will say it will be interesting this season, maybe not not as much during fall camp, but especially, you know, midweek press conferences, post-game press conferences at home, how much of the Kansas City media is actually coming to K-State games? Because yeah. in the past, you usually have, to, you know, Topeka is always there. Wichita usually has at least two stations there, mm-hmm. if not all three. And then Kansas City might have one or two. It'll be interesting to see if if all four stations from Kansas City commit to coming to K-State games because in the past you usually have one or two people, you know, coming week in, week out. You know, you might have a couple, you know, here or there that – like Sunflower Showdown, everyone, sure. everyone comes to that. But it'll be interesting to see how at least – from our standpoint, how we perceive coverage from other markets or not necessarily other markets, the markets K-State is in, do they actually care about covering them? But 
KU basketball fans need a team to cheer for. It's, it's mm. time to get the purple out of the closet for a little bit. Cole, I just want to warn you. Um, I think you're missing some opportunities in your personal life here because when a when a female comes up to you and says, hi, are you a wildcat? She may not be asking about football. Mm. You might stop replying instantly with K-State sports <laughs> information because she might be asking about something totally different. Just go to break. Go to break. Go to break. I'm not going to go to break because if you're not subscribing to GoPowerCat.com, in the break, do it. Go over to GoPowerCat. You'll see a little green join button. You're going to get a sweet ass discount on your annual subscription for the first year. Go do it right now. There's going to be like a minute, maybe 30 seconds commercial. You can do this. But make sure you listen to the ads. We also listen to, the listen, ads. listen to the ads. Do everything you can to help us uh, subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel and uh, tell Cole he's pretty. He likes that. Um, and then make sure you're subscribing to Go Power Cat. We'll be back right after this break. And this just isn't a break. This is putting food in my dog's mouths. This is important. GoPowerCat.com's Power Cat podcast continues after this short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast. Congratulations to everyone who subscribed to Go Power Cat during the break like you were asked to do. We appreciate it. Let me look at the count. There were 790 signups in the break. That's a lot. That may not be an accurate number. Oh, that's just a number that's on my screen. It has nothing to do with our business. I apologize. But what does have a lot to do with our business is fridge, wholesale liquor. Make sure you stop into the fridge. When you come to Manhattan, look, I've got a fraternity reunion coming uh, into town in mid-August. I'm going to demand they all buy their liquor from the fridge. (laughs) Boy, they drink a lot. (laughs) I don't know where I got that from. But again, we're having a great sale at GoPowerCat.com. Go over there, check it out, hit that green join button, and see what the deal of the day is because we're going to be doing it for a little while, having some fun, growing the site, and we are growing like crazy. We are one of the top expanding sites on the 24-7 Sports Network, so we appreciate everyone's ongoing support. We're still alive and doing quite well. On with the questions from Wildbass Station. Here's Cole Carmody. First question of the second half comes from Call Me T22. Long term, way down the line, do you see realignment reverting back to regionality? In my mind, the consolidation of power in college football will eventually allow conferences to pull their rights collectively and return to smaller regional conferences. That's a very interesting point. And let's let's just look at it, some of the stuff I've broken down on video. If if the conference goes to sixteen they really want four West, four East, four Texas, four Central. You are essentially in a four-team conference at that point. You're going to play those schools all the time. You're going to play them home and home in basketball every year in football, and then you'll play everyone else, you know, every twice every four years or whatever basketball works out to once instead of twice a year. 
Um, but yeah, I think as they get into bigger conferences, particularly if you go to 20 or 24, which now they're talking about with the Big Ten, which is insane, you pretty much have to end up with, you know, like six, four, or four, 16 pods or something. You, you just, you got to have some regionality to how you're scheduling and, and putting teams together so that beyond football and basketball, there's some sense and you're not spending a ton of money to fly all over the country all the time. I mean, I can see some of these conferences for non-revenue sports like football and basketball splitting their conference into like Olympic sport divisions just to cut down on travel. It's almost kind of like divisions in the NFL. You've got the AFC West right. where teams are in, I mean, besides the Chiefs, right? But That's exactly what yeah. they're looking at. I mean, I mean yeah. when you're... When you're a 16-team conference, it's so easy to schedule. I think it's cool. It's so easy. It is so easy to schedule a nine-game conference schedule with four pods of four. You play everybody in your in your pod, so there's three games. You play one other division, all four teams. There's seven, and then play two others from the other. You know, one each, one team each from the the other two based on the standings that you did. It's not. It's the NFL. Uh, it's the exact NFL thing. You know your opponents well, every you just, year. You just go in your pod to each from every other pod, and then. But then you have the to team. worry about the the seasons and making sure everything. Because if you do it the NFL schedule, you know exactly what year you're playing, what schools, and then you get to play two of them each year. Additionally, I honestly think Zach, that's the most logical way of doing things, which inevitably means they won't do it. Yeah. Well, look at the SEC. We'll plan. They've got 16, and they decided to go with eight. They have the perfect scheduling model. No, we're going to play an extra non-conference game because we're soft. Get this sh- out of here with the SEC. He's scared to play each other. Uh, it's nuts. I'm, I'm just shocked ESPN let them get away with it. We bought for quality football games, not so that you can play Austin P. <laughs> That's just crazy. What about Austin Powers? Uh, they, Austin mm-hmm. Powers. He put up a... One billion points. <laughs> Next question comes from Came to Elevate. Is this a new name, Zach? I think so. It was last, last week. Oh, okay. question. Okay, well, I wasn't here last yeah, you week. You weren't here. Okay. Uh, what is the latest the Big 12 can wait to add a 14th school for the 2024-2025 season? Well, I mean, whatever the deadline is, if if somehow, someway, Silent George out west gets them to sign a grant of rights. If they don't sign a grant of rights, all those schools can move at any time for 2024. They're just they're locked in for this year. So, I mean, if they can't get anyone to sign a grant of rights, Big 12 technically could take it into the season, but they don't want to. They want I think I'm confident they want to get to 14, and if Arizona State and Utah want to hem-haw around, they'll just shut it down for now and say, "Okay, you guys play your season. You can just spend some time in limbo. We'll come back to you." Well, can they do 13 teams? Is that realistic? You can get a they could do it. You if can they get a waiver, to, but. but it's it look, people are like, "Well, the Big 10 did 11." Yeah, and it sucked and it's hard to schedule. Someone's got to be off every time. Mm-hmm. Imagine basketball. Ugh. I mean, someone's off every. If you're playing Tuesdays and Saturday, someone's off. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. You got to you got to have an even number to really do it right. But you know, the Big Ten's weird. I mean, they they just they just do things that don't make sense. Adding records in I'm Maryland. S- I'm surprised that they stayed at 11 for as long as they did. Yeah, it was a long. It was a, what two decades? Oh, it's weird. So, well, it, it won't drag into. I mean, so what? The answer to this question is before they announce the football schedule for the following right. for that school year, right? 
No, basically. and I mean, so the big and the well, no, the Big Twelve has at least in the past they used to release next year's football schedule sometime during football season, right. which I think they should get back to. They need to stop. When did they release this year's? It was it was spring. Late. It was, it was late. late. Well, Super again, late. if they add Arizona and Colorado, they've already added Colorado. If they add Arizona too. I can see them just saying, okay, you're going to get Texas' schedule and you're going to get Oklahoma's schedule, and that's what we're going to do for next year, and then we'll we'll figure it out. I think it's entirely possible they do 14 again in 24. And then keep in mind, the Big 12's new deal doesn't go into effect till 25. So they got to figure out how to pay these schools. So there's a good chance they might stop at 14 just because they can get these schools you know, in. The ESPN will accept them. Fox will help out. But there's a lot of talk. They don't want them to go to 16 yet because the new contract isn't in place. Now, they have the buyouts from Oklahoma, Texas, where they can, you know, help pool the money. If, you know, Arizona hesitates, you could bring UConn in on a partial share. They'd be happy with that. A half share would get them way ahead of where they're at right now. I think in the Big East, they're at like $8 million a year or $6 million a year. For just basketball. For just basketball and their other sports. But, yeah, I mean, you could bring them in at 15 they'd be pretty damn happy, I mm-hmm. imagine. I bet so. So, it, yeah, yeah. They, they don't want it to drag on. They want it to be done. They want it to be done by the start of August. But these damn Pac-12 schools are so poorly led, you, you couldn't lead them to a free buffet in Vegas. <laughs> They just the leadership is just idiotic out there. It's unbelievable. I've never heard that one before. <clears throat> I just thought of it. I just thought so, of it. Actually, it's a brand any, new sentence. Yeah, there's there's hardly any buffets now in Vegas, so it's kind of a dated. You can't reference. even find a free one. Yeah, it's hard to. Yeah, no. Yeah, even the crappy casinos are charging. What is going on? Yeah, I think I think it's probably sixty days. I think it's less than that. If something's going to happen, and it will happen, I mean, we keep whether I mean the Pac-12 or whatever number they're at nine. You know, there'll be fewer than that, maybe. But they want to get their 2024 season scheduled too. Like they want, they need to know just so they can plan if they're going to exist as a competitive sports entity. They need teams to play. They need to know who wants to play them. So. Someone's going to make a move very shortly, I think. Well, I I would say if Arizona comes at number 14, Brett Yormark might look at him and go, okay, uh, Arizona State and Utah, you've had an invitation. You're him-hawing around. <clears throat> Every X number of days, it's dry, dropping $5 million. And if you don't want to, you know, within 30 days, you're down to $15 million. If you want to stay in the Pac-12 to try to figure out what's going to happen, the Pac-6, Good luck. Yeah, you better, you think, better come now. I think Arizona can get a full share as 14, and then Brett Yormark just needs to say, you get a two-thirds share, right. the next two teams. Right. Maybe not two-thirds, but, you know, a million or $2 million more than whatever they can get from Apple. You guys, have you guys seen 24, the show 24? Yeah. So basically it's the D2. Yeah, yeah. oh, exactly. The D2. clock ticking down. D2. Yep. It's not a bad idea. Hmm. If you could put that's really sound annoying sound though. Yeah. No, I don't do that. In this I know. Right. That's, that's right. too much work. Next question comes from Kned. Let's be clear: when we do the overtime, I'm not putting in sound effects. I'm done <laughs> with Brett Yormark placing the Big Twelve on the precipice of becoming a legit third conference thorn in the P2 sides. Will the Big Ten and SEC make some more moves they don't want to make right now to stop him? 
No, they're not worried about the Big 12. They're not. I mean, it's clearly the Big 12 will be the third football conference. There's, there's no way to argue around it. And, and what he's attempting to do is making them the undeniable first bas- basketball conference, which means, look, you, you got to deal with the Big 12 if you want to have a realistic basketball tournament. You, you think you're going to just form a football alliance and then come join us in basketball? Uh-uh. No. You're going to have to deal with us, too. Whatever happens with the ACC, let's just hypothetically say Florida State really has an angle here, that they're going to break the grant of rights for the entire conference, whether it is dissolving the conference as an entity, which is maybe their play, maybe suing for fraud. We're we're unsure where they're going with it. But if that entire conference goes into play, I don't know how the Big Ten and SEC lay off. This is their chance. It's free. Not free, but, you know, there's no fight. They would be free of their grant of rights. They'd have to get the networks to go. But, guys, at the end of the day, I, I know we're talking about the networks are short on cash. It's not a good time. Getting rid of two power conferences, even though you're paying the programs in the existing conferences, the ones that survive would be more you're not paying Washington State. You're not paying Oregon State. You're not going to be paying Wake Forest and maybe Syracuse and Boston College. They're, they're just left out. So there's some savings there. And plus, you end up with really dynamic programming. I think 16 is the right number. I wish we end up with four 16-team conferences, but I think we're headed towards four 20-team conferences, and the Big Ten might go to 24. I don't think the SEC and Big 12 would follow. I'm going to make a comment here about the Big 12 and being a legitimate third conference. Um, So I know uh, our colleague over at 24-7, Bud Elliott, and I know you've done his podcast multiple times. If you haven't listened to his stuff, it's really good. But he had a tweet earlier in the week that talked about in the Big 12, there's no legitimate contenders to compete for a national championship. And he got a lot of blowback on that. I think he's right right now. I think he's right but for this season. But but, oh, but I, I what I didn't agree with the tweet is yeah, yeah. there's only about four schools right now. Right. It's not 12. Yes. It's it's four or five schools. But but I think my angle on this is with the expanded playoff that we know. I mean, we think that's going to happen now. Who knows what, what happens after, you know, conference realignment and all this. But if you do have truly have three conferences – you will have more teams in the Big 12 that just based solely on numbers that will be able to compete for a national championship. And so that's why, and I know that tweet, I'm taking that tweet out of context, but Kaned's question brings it up. I mean, there will be teams competing for national championships, and you can throw Kansas State into that mix. If you win your conference, you're definitely going to be one of the best teams in the country. Let's make the conference championship game. You're one of the best teams in the country. Correct. Let's let's be clear. I I think if they go to three major conferences before the playoff hits, the top two, every conference is getting two teams. And we accept the fact the SEC will probably get four. Um, Big Ten might get a third, although... You're going to struggle to find a third team in the Big Ten most years. Mm-hmm. I mean, Purdue made the damn championship game. I mean, come on. So, you know, I think if you do that and you then you give, you know, one or two other spots to to programs that, you know, other champions. I'm just not ready to write off the Big 12 as a, a 100% third conference. No, because as I've said repeatedly, 
if a TCU or Kansas State or Oklahoma State or Baylor or UCF, any one of those schools starts popping up in that 12-team field year after year after year, their status is going to grow. If, if BYU and UCF start really playing good football and making the playoff, they're both poised to be national powers. BYU has been. They have a history of that. They've got a damn national title to show it. And UCF, I think I think the old Florida State thing, it, it just cracks me up. So much of the drama with Utah and the Pac-12, Utah and the Big 12 is because their rival BYU is in it and they, they don't want to be part of it. Florida State can't sit, stand the thought. UCF is going to be making more money off of media revenue than Florida State, which is absurd. But I think that sets it all in motion yeah, for them. I agree. They can't stand it. So, so much of this is driven by that. But as we see, I'm just going to say it, UCF is a problem. I mean, they're going to be a problem. When they get the money and they start playing a lot more on national TV, that program could be the new Florida State. Because keep in mind, before Bobby Bowden showed up, Florida State, well, it had been an all-women's college for many years. So I think there's room for a new era of college football greatness. And the Big 12, if they start putting regular teams into that playoff year after year, we're going to see someone start to build up. Kansas State is taking the upward steps to incrementally get better and more competitive. Playing Alabama was a great lesson. They saw the the serious gap in talent, which we knew was there, mm-hmm. but they played with them for 57 minutes of that game. So I think now they're stepping up, stepping up. It's not going to be an overnight thing. You know, it's the great Bill Snyder quote. Someone's not going to rise out of the sand like like Las Vegas and be a big show. They're going to have to build it and get there. And I think it's possible. Kansas State has been on the cusp of being a great football program. They had some years where they were as good as anyone in the country. Kansas State can get back to that. The NIL, there's so many different layers to this now. But that playoff opens the door to added exposure for so many programs that have been overlooked. And I think it's a good thing. Oh, go ahead. I think that if you're the Big Ten and the SEC and you're sitting on 16 teams, I think this is an absolute awful time for the ACC to be coming apart because the Big Ten, especially for the Big Ten, you're looking west, right? And that's what the reports are. They want Washington, Oregon, maybe Stanford and Cal. You get to 20. How many how many schools are sitting there saying, there's a lot of schools and now you want us to take on the ACC too? Like at a certain point, you know, your media partner is going to be like, we don't, we don't have that money. Uh, at a certain point, NBC, Fox, who's the other one? CBS, they're going to say no. Quit, quit adding teams. This isn't in the contract. I don't know what, I don't know what, you know, those media deal right, those media deal, um, what their numbers are and what the rules are, and if they're even allowed to add teams. I'm sure that the networks would be open to a conversation, but. At a certain point, I think if you're the Ohio States, the Michigans, maybe not even them, maybe the Michigan States and the the Illinois and the Indianas of the world are looking at the media deal saying, we like our piece of the pie. We like making this. I don't know if our pie is going to get bitter, bigger by adding more teams. I think if you're, the, if you're the SEC, I think there's some good programs that would be available and would add to your conference. I think adding Florida State. Virginia, Virginia Tech, Clemson, Miami, even Georgia Tech, I think 
would fit in if you wanted to grow to 20 teams in the SEC. But if you look at the SEC and what they just added in OU and Texas, you got to feel good if you're the SEC about what you have. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the SEC feels like there's any responsibility to save some of these SEC or these ACC teams that aren't necessarily going to have a home. Because the Big Ten, I think they're going to take whoever they want if they want somebody. Right. But that's what's amazing. Everyone talks about the SEC, but the Big Ten's in charge of this because these presidents. Folks, keep in mind, it's the presidents making the decisions. We're seeing how that works for the Pac-12 because they're a bunch of idiots. Um, But the presidents will strongly prefer, particularly if you're an AAU school, to go to the Big Ten. I mean, there's academic prestige there that you can't duplicate with the SEC. It's just the way it is. So Virginia and North Carolina, if they can leave without their in-state rivals, they're going to the Big Ten. There's no doubt in my mind. Maybe Miami or Florida State to the Big Ten. They want that Florida presence. There we go. I think at the end of the day, I think there's enough brands. This is this is what I can't get over. There's brands in the ACC. Why aren't they producing more ratings? Why are their ratings so bad outside of Florida State and Clemson? Again, it's fan engagement, and I think they've cruised or thought of themselves as a basketball conference for so long that too many fans have disengaged with the importance of college football. I think North Carolina, you have too many teams too close together. You have three teams in the same market. It's not like one team's in Charlotte, one team's in Greensboro, one team's in Raleigh. You have three teams in Raleigh, Durham. Yep. And wherever else. Chapel Hill, which doesn't count. That's Raleigh. And <laughs> and if this all breaks, if there's no border regents interference, they could end up in three different conferences. That it's incredible to think about. Yeah. Wake Forest is going to end up in the soup line. Um but I, I can see North Carolina in the Big Ten. I can see North Carolina State getting an SEC invite, so they have a North Carolina presence. Got to put back the Confederacy. It's their number one goal. Uh, they got to get a Virginia school and a North Carolina school. We're just not getting it done there. Um, I wish I was joking, but I'm really serious. And then uh, probably Duke, because of the basketball play, would be a good addition for the Big 12. This First of all, this conversation is great, and it carries over into the next question. Yep. From Gillum Fan 67 Six sixty-three. There's an extra six in there. I didn't. I can't well, read numbers. It's zip code of Gillum's hometown. Oh, okay. Shout out, Plainville. which I don't remember. Huh. Yeah, there you go, Plainville. Um, this is la- the last question, by yeah, the way. Yeah, last question. I forgot to say that. Um, <clears throat> he says this question is from Lake Kick with Josh Pate, but I'm curious mm-hmm. about your thoughts on it. Would you rather have college football in what it was in 2007 with regionality in the BCS, or would you rather have college football where you picture it being in 2027? <sighs> I don't like. I didn't like the BCS. I, I I wish we could have the old ways with the new playoff. I feel like anybody who answers this question, like if Ryan Gilbert was sitting here on this podcast, I know how he would answer because he's a big nostalgia person. Mm-hmm. If you say 2007, it's nostalgia because the BCS was a flawed system, regardless of the conferences. But it was more fun than whatever dog and pony show they put on ESPN every Tuesday night during the sure. football play. Now, do I wish K-State was playing Nebraska? Yeah, I do. I, I think <laughs> that... Not in 2007 with Ron Prince. I, well, I still yeah. got flashbacks from that. PTSD. You know, you got to think about it like this, though, guys. Like, K-State's going to play Missouri this year. Next year, they're going to play Colorado. 
they played A&M as recently as what, three years ago? 2016. Was that the most recent? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you're still having those games with your rivals, just not as consistently. So if you want to claim geography and regionality as, you know, that's what we need to get back to, you're still going to have those games in postseason play because, let's face it, the Bulls want that, right? They want that nostalgia. I would argue that 2027 college football looks more like professional sports, and if there's one thing we know about professional sports versus collegiate sports, it's that people want to watch professional sports for whatever their reason is. It's a better product, right? Is that really the ultimate, the ultimate thing right there? It's a better product? I would argue that the 2027 format would be much greater than the 2007 format. I think I agree. I'd rather I watch it. I think I'd rather format. watch it. Yeah. I think a 12 team playoff, once it finally happens, I think it's going to be fine. And ultimately, I think if you're, if you win 12 games in a season, you have a path to a national championship, which I don't think you can say that this year, but any school in 2027, even if it's UTEP or UTSA or whoever was, you know, undefeated this year in the Sun Belt or Conference USA, there's no excuse not to put them in anymore once you expand to 12 teams. If you go undefeated and run the table, I think you're going to be playing for, you know, you're going to be in that round of 12 or whatever you call the first round with four buys. I'm old, and so I've got some nostalgia to me, but... The bowl format has been broken for a very long time. We keep hearing about tradition as they all change their names. Uh, you know, so I'm I'm kind of over the whole bowl thing. I mean, you look at everything that happened with last year's Sugar Bowl. It's the damn Sugar Bowl. But it just, it was cool, but it didn't have, there wasn't anything conclusive that comes out of Alabama beating K-State. And they, you know, Okay. But if it's a playoff game, it means something. I'd be fine with the Bulls just disappearing. I really would. And just go to a playoff and and maybe just like JUCO or Division Two, you got some Bulls for the teams that don't make it to the playoff. It's fine with me. I, I really don't give a crap about the Rose Bowl or Orange Bowl. They, they've all sold their souls. They've all passed over more more qualified teams to do something for TV ratings. No, I'm done with them. I'm just done with them. I don't care. So I guess I'm going with current. As much as I'm not a huge fan of realignment, I'm becoming a bigger fan because apparently the Big 12 is going to survive. I don't know how we got here, but here we are. Sorry, Stu. So what happens. That's it for this edition of the Powercat Questions podcast. Maybe we'll do another one. Maybe we'll have one for next week. I don't know. we got to figure this out. But we will have an overtime, the last overtime before football season arrives on Sunday. But as this one ends, just remember, if you're listening on Thursday, there's a great sale. If you're listening after Thursday, there's a really good sale. There's still a significant bargain being offered on a Go Powercat subscription to 24-7 Sports. Appreciate you listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of this, the Questions Podcast, I think. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com. On May 23rd, 
go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!